Welcome to Menu Feed, a bi-weekly podcast from Restaurant Business and Food Service Director. I'm Pat Kobe, and today I'm talking with Field Failing, CEO and founder of Field's Good Chicken, a six-unit fast casual in New York City. Field is going to share how the concept built a following among fussy New Yorkers with its scratch-made menu and lively vibe, and how today he is pivoting to meet new challenges. Welcome, Field. It's so nice to have you on the podcast. It's nice to be on. Thank you for having me. Sure. So tell me how Field's Good Chicken differentiates itself from other fast casual chicken concepts, particularly with its menu. So the first way that we differentiate ourselves, and this is really central to the concept, is that we don't fry anything. We don't have fryers in the building. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's meant to be it's a healthy chicken concept. Um, our chicken is either grilled or roasted uh, and paired with whole grains and fresh vegetables. So that was part of the whole idea of Good Chicken is it's, you can get great fried chicken all over the place. There's so many restaurants that do it well, but there was there were really no concepts that were focusing on the healthy aspect of chicken and, and, you know, how do you grill it and roast it in a way that it tastes juicy and delicious. Mm-hmm. And so you do um, four different chicken styles. So can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. So we do our, we have our, our roasted whole chicken, which is kind of your classic fresh herbs, the whole bird uh, roasted in, in, in an oven. And then we sell it whole or uh, in, by half or quarter. Mm-hmm. Um, we do a boneless, skinless breast, which is herb marinated. We do a boneless, skinless thigh, which is moho marinated, which is has a little more sort of Latin uh, spice flavor profile to it. Right. And then we have a, a pulled barbecue. Okay. So you have a lot of complex flavor profiles that you offer, um, and you use a lot of different condiments and marinades. Are all these made in-house, and can you describe some of those? Sure. So everything is made in house. Uh, everything is made from scratch in house, uh, pretty much every day. So it's yeah, it's it's a complicated operation, um, which is actually something we're we're constantly working on. How do we how do we simplify so that we can execute better? Um, but uh, so our marinades, for example, it, we literally are are picking fresh herbs and blending that into our herb marinade uh, in every restaurant. Wow, and you have six locations, correct? We have six locations. Right. And you do things like uh, tomato jam. Is that something you do every day, too? I mean, and that, I guess, could stay preserved a little longer, but is that something you make in the back of the house? That can stay preserved a little longer. That one, that's actually, I think, since come off the, the menu. Oh, okay. Um, it, it was for a sandwich that we used to make, but it's a, it, it is a good example of a way that we make. Um, so, you know, we change our menu somewhat frequently. Mm-hmm. But, the tomato jam is a good example of, of a way to take a, a complex ingredient and make it in a way that it is it holds for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the shelf life is something like that could be a month because it's preserved. Right. So, so if, if you can lengthen the the shelf life of something, it's a way to use a more expensive ingredient more cost effectively. Right, and it also probably cuts back on the labor a bit too. Yep, you don't have to make it as frequently, uh, and it doesn't go bad as quickly. That's, I mean, that's kind of what preservation. I think, was created in the first place. And so you do like bowls also, and I was reading about some of the bowls. They sounded really intriguing. Can you like talk about a couple of those? Sure. So our, our two best sellers, one is our bueno bowl, which is kind of a, a classic take on um, 
on Mexican. It's almost it's kind of like a deconstructed burrito without the the, the tortilla. Mm-hmm. So it's rice, black beans, avocado, guacamole, uh, pico de gallo, and then our mojo chicken with maple chipotle sauce Yum. on it. Um, it's delicious. It's been our number one seller since literally the day that our doors opened. It's of everything on our menu. It's the one thing I don't think we'll ever be able to take off or change. Um, so that's been a hit. And I think mm-hmm. part of that is, you know, our business is, has been mostly lunch driven mm-hmm. based on where our locations are. We do a lot of corporate lunch um, or pre coronavirus we did. Right. Um, <laughs> And that bowl is like very satisfying and fulfilling, but it's a healthier take, much healthier take on a burrito. Uh, and it, it, I think bowls are great desk food. They've been very popular, particularly in New York City and other corporate sort of lunch environments because you have that meal right in a bowl that you can eat at your desk in a pretty easy way. Right. I love bowls myself. So, <laughs> And then you have a salad, the kale salad that's named after your wife. Can you tell me how that developed? <laughs> Sure. That one was from back when I was testing the original recipes to get the restaurant open. And uh, my wife, Christina, kept asking me to make the same salad over and over again instead of doing <laughs> new ones. She kept being like, can you just make that kale salad again? So when we opened our, our doors, I actually surprised her with that that as a, a name on oh, our menu. Cool. So what is the name of it? It's called Christina's it's called. Yeah. It's called the Christina's Kale. So I named oh. it after her. I didn't tell her. So when she walked into the restaurant on the, the first day, it was on the menu board. Oh, cool. That must have been a surprise. <laughs> yeah, it was kind of a fun yeah. a fun surprise. She's been so supportive mm-hmm. throughout the whole process. So. so let's talk a little bit about the current health crisis. I mean, you were doing takeout and delivery before that. Is that true? Correct, yes. Yeah. Takeout and delivery were, were a big piece of our business before the whole health crisis um, and um, it's a much bigger piece of our business now. Right, of course. So did you have to create any new dishes um, for takeout and delivery that traveled better or uh, are you able to use all your menu items? So yes and no. So <laughs> so our food travels really well uh, and it did before and it, it, it delivers well. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think we're really well positioned for this sort of shift to delivery um and part of that was by design because we've been seeing this sort of delivery trend coming for a long time um in the industry but that you know the, the whole coronavirus pandemic has has exponentially sped that up right um one thing we we have changed however is we've our menu has shifted into sort of the larger format meal so interestingly like the whole chicken for example was uh, not a, not a huge piece of our, our product mix prior to this. Mm-hmm. Uh, we sold many more bowls and salads. And then in the last month and a half or so, that the whole chicken plus three sides has become one of our very best sellers. I mean, it's really like skyrocketed up the up our product mix. Mm. So one of the things we did to sort of further build on that is we created a family meal where it's you can choose chicken and three sides um, and you get cornbread and a salad, and each of those are served in larger formats. So you, when you, you can choose chicken, you're getting a tray of chicken, and that meal feeds comfortably four to five people oh, that's with, a... with leftovers, yeah. Right. So that's really ramped up since this whole health crisis evolved. Yep. That, I mean, that we created maybe like three weeks into the whole health crisis mm-hmm. in response to this was, you know, people are at home. 
they don't want to go out. They don't want to order as as frequently as they used to. They're ordering. We're seeing people order more food, you know, larger volumes of food, presumably right. either because they're ordering for their whole family or for their roommates, or because they are ordering so they can have leftovers, so they don't have to order every day just mm-hmm. to re- reduce the contact and exposure. Right. So whatever the reason is, we've seen people trend towards larger order sizes. So what uh, companies do you use for delivery? Do you do self-delivery or are you using the third-party companies? We're using a third-party. So we're, all, we're in New York City and we use Relay, mm-hmm. uh, which is a New York City-based company. Uh, it's been a great partner, really really good to work with mm-hmm. throughout all of this. And, and we've been with them for probably three or four years now. Oh, okay, great. So aside from the um, family meal, the chicken family meal, what are some of the other things that are really doing well during this crisis? Are people ordering bowls as well? Uh, people are, but but we really have seen the, the menu shift towards that whole chicken mm. and sides, whether it's the, the roast chicken itself or that, that family meal. Um, I think the bowls have always been sort of an anchor menu item for us and, and have continued. So... I haven't, we haven't seen as much of a change in ordering trends around bowls and salads or plates as we have the the roasted chicken kind of climb up the ladder. Right. And the cornbread that you mentioned, do you make that in-house too? We do. Wow. That's made in-house throughout the day. Um, yeah, that's it's delicious. It's gluten-free. Uh, it's a, That's a great item that our, our director of culinary, Dan Jackson, made uh, pretty recently. Um I think we put it on the menu maybe in the last five, six months or so. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So how many people do you have working in the back of the house, in the kitchens, in your locations to turn out all this made-from-scratch food? Uh, it, you know, it depends on the, on the day. Um, to prep all of this, it's three or four people. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when we're in the middle of a lunch service or a dinner service, it depends on, it really depends on how busy the restaurant is. I mean, we could, we could run up to 12 to 14 people in total, uh, for a busy midtown lunch rush, Mm -hmm. um, for sort of just like a steady state, normal afternoon, not a crazy rush We're we're running like five people maybe. Mm -hmm. And right now I, you don't, I know you don't have all your locations open, but approximately how many employees are working in the ones that are open? So right now we have, we just have 12th and university open and our shifts I think are, are about five people each. So mm-hmm. we have a, a lunch shift and a dinner shift and those are around five. Oh, okay. Five, five to six. Yeah. So you mentioned that you've done a lot of catering in the past, especially corporate lunches. So um, how have you pivoted the catering program um, during this health crisis? So, yeah, so catering had, had become a, a very big part of our business and has grown really exponentially over the last couple of years. Um, and then when this when the pandemic hit, it, it really fell off a cliff as office, you know, most of our, our catering clients were big offices in midtown Manhattan, and those offices very quickly started started saying no outside food or they start, they ultimately shut their offices and they have all their employees working from home. So, right. so that that catering business went to zero pretty quickly. <laughs> um, so, so what we did was we pivoted to our birds for good program where we started raising money to be able to deliver meals to hospital workers in New York city. Oh, cool. um, and we were so well set up to be able to serve between 10 and a hundred people 
through our catering program that it was sort of a natural fit for us to be able to take that program and then go drop off food for doctors and nurses and hospital workers uh, in groups of, you know, 10, 20, 30. Mm -hmm. I also read that you're doing like mini catering meals. Is that what you meant by that? The mini catering, that, that's what I meant by the family meal. Um, oh, okay. Which is available for delivery. That's the, the meal that serves four to five people. Right. So after, you know, hopefully this health crisis won't last too long. <laughs> um, yeah, hopefully <laughs> I mean, everybody's phasing back in gradually. So as you phase back in, do you think you'll keep up, you know, the family meal idea and, you know, some of the, um, you know, this, the catering will be pivoting as well? So I think, I think that the family meal stays on our menu for, for good. I think there's a place for that even, even in the, the normal world, even in the pre-pandemic world, I think that that family meal menu item works really well. Mm-hmm. Um, I think looking forward to our new normal, I think people's habits are, are going to change pretty slowly um, back to, you know, where we were before. I don't think we're going to wake up one day in like July and August and, and just be like, you know, back to pre-pandemic. Oh, no. <laughs> um, so I think, yeah, I think that the family meal continues to be a big part of our business. I think people are going to be ordering in a lot, much more reliant on delivery instead of going into crowded restaurants. And I think people will continue to be trying to minimize the number of, of orders of food that come into their home, whether that's groceries or, or uh, from restaurants. Mm-hmm. Um, and then on the Birds for Good initiative, we've been talking internally a lot about what does this look like as a permanent part of our business. Mm-hmm. Um, and ultimately what, what we're thinking is, is how do we fill that, like, how do we fill food needs basically mm-hmm. um, and get healthy food to people that need it that otherwise can't access it. So it starts as this hospital worker initiative, I think is the, is the healthcare system sort of gets its feedback under it and gets back to normal. That may pivot towards other needs that are currently emerging right now. Like we know that, that food banks and food insecurity um, was a big problem before and has become an exponentially bigger problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, in this pandemic. So that's kind of, that's how we're looking at that particular initiative. Okay. So as office workers get back to work, um, do you think the catering, um, uh, you know, that type of program will change in any way? Because I know I spoke to some other operators who would never, you know, do these big spreads anymore. Everything will be individually packed rather than having like a big salad out there for everyone to scoop up. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you did that before, but um, that's something that we did both before. We did the large spreads and we did individual, individually packed uh, bowls and salads for catering. Mm -hmm. It was much more heavily skewed towards the big spreads. Mm. So going going back now, now I don't know. I mean, I would my guess would be that there's a much higher rate of request for the for individually packaged items for catering orders. Right. And as your restaurants reopen and you phase back in, will you have to change um, the way your tables are set up and the way workers, you know, interact in the back of the house? Will there be more social distancing requirements? Yes, definitely. So I think a lot of what we've implemented over the last month is will we'll stay in place indefinitely. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've reduced the capacity of our restaurants. We, we have limit right now we have occupancy 
with your restrictions on restaurants, which I think will ease back, but um, how far back, I don't know. Um, mm-hmm. We have tape on the floor to keep people six feet apart when they're waiting in line. I think that stays indefinitely. Um, right now, all of our teams are required to wear masks while they're working. That's, I don't know when we'll, when we would lift that, but not anytime soon. Um, we've encouraged as much as possible in our small restaurant kitchens, keeping six feet apart, certainly no contact of any kind, no handshakes, fist bumps, elbow taps, mm-hmm. you know, the, the things you normally would see in kitchens. Right. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think we're kind of looking at all, all of really most of what we've implemented in terms of safety measures as our new normal for the indefinite future. Right. Um, I think really like until we have a vaccine and it looks like as a, as a human race, we're past this thing. I, I think we're probably, we're going to be relying on these measures for a while. Right. And do I don't, you know, I've never been in one of your locations, unfortunately, but I live in Chicago, so you don't have any here yet, <laughs> but maybe someday. Not yet. <laughs> um, but do you have like condiment stations and anything that, you know, like utensil stations where people would take things from a common area? We do, and we moved to, um, probably a a month ago now, we moved to individually wrapped uh, cutlery sets, which are put in the bags instead of uh, on the conversations. Oh, okay, great. And how about payment? Are you accept accept cash now, and will that be a thing of the past in the future? We we stopped accepting cash. We're actually just debating internally, uh, you know, how long this goes on and when we can when we start accepting cash again. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've said, well, we'll revisit this in a month, but we don't have any plans to start accepting cash again anytime soon. Right. Um, so that that's an interesting one that we'll have to see. There are you know regulatory issues that come into play with accepting cash or not accepting cash. It goes city by city. Right. Um, I think it's something that the government's going going to have to weigh in on. To be to be honest, is you know there was a there was this big push in the industry to go cashless. A number of restaurants did. A bunch of cities came in and said, you know, you can't be cashless. You mm-hmm. need to accept cash. And now we're in this environment where we're accepting cash uh, is starting to be seen as not sanitary and, and contributing to spreading this pandemic. So, you know, yeah, I, I think that's that's going to have to be revisited by regulators. For sure. Um, <laughs> but for right now, in the immediate, we're cashless. And we're, mm-hmm. we're prioritizing safety above all else. And we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. Right. So you use like Apple Pay in addition to credit cards and that kind of, you know, whatever other contactless cash, you know, transactions can be made? Yep. Mm-hmm. And then we have in our credit card readers, we have our, our you know, chip readers where the, the customer can put it in themselves and they don't have to hand it to, to a cashier. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we have our own, our own mobile app, which I think will be a much bigger part of our business going forward. Mm. You could pay through the mobile app and see scan to pay at the register, or you can order ahead through the app for pickup or delivery. Um, so what we are kind of thinking is, is banking more on that as our primary source of payment because it's completely contactless. Mm-hmm. And for the guests that embrace it, it is actually, it is a more efficient system too. Right. So how have you kept uh, Fields Good Chicken top of mind for customers and fans during the pandemic? Have you done any like social media outreach or marketing tactics that worked? Yeah, so we, um, we've done a lot of social media. Um, we, we brought social media in-house maybe a year ago, um, and I think we've done a great job. The team has done a great job at telling more of 
the story behind the scenes of, of FGC. So if you go on our Instagram, you'll see stories from, from the kitchen. Um, our chef, director of culinary, has been featured in a lot of those videos. Kind of, here's literally what we're preparing. Here's today's special. Here's stuff that we're working on. So I think we're, we're kind of having fun with that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And then our Birds for Good initiative has been a great way to connect with our guests um, and make them feel part of this cause. So we've gotten a lot of great feedback on that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in launching our family meals, we've also been able to start to encourage people to use leftovers and here's how you use leftovers. Here's how you can heat it. So oh, cool. I think we've got a number of ways to be able to engage with people. Yeah. So do you use mostly like Instagram or Facebook or a combination? For social media, we use mostly Instagram. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So I know you don't have a crystal ball, but looking ahead a few months from now, how do you expect to be operating your six locations? Do you think you'll open them gradually, um, you know, one at a time, or aside from the things we already talked about that will change? Are there anything, uh, any others that you'd like to add? So I expect that all of our locations will be open. Um, by the end of May, that's our, our plan right now, unless something changes, you know, we're, we're forging ahead with that and watching the, the news and, the, and paying attention to the current environment every day. And, you know, that may change. Mm-hmm. Hopefully it doesn't, uh, but that's the plan right now. Um, and then once we're, all of our restaurants are reopened, I think we're much more heavily reliant on delivery and order ahead pickup. Um, I think our dining rooms will continue to be fairly empty. And so we are, are thinking about how, how can we pivot towards that, that strategy? How can we get much better at delivery mm-hmm. and more efficient at delivery? And then um, lastly, how do we lean more into the dinner business? Mm-hmm. We have a great product for dinner. And we know, I think, that you know, lunch demand will, will continue to be kind of um, suppressed by this whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, where dinner demand, I think, will be increased as people are less comfortable going out to eat. I think there's a lot less dine-in and fine dining restaurants, dine-in at restaurants like ours. So um, the order order in for dinner at home, I think, is a is a much bigger part of the business going forward. And what we're one of the things we're leaning on. Right. Do you have any outdoor seating space at any of your locations? Uh, we do. Um, we've ne- never been used because. It's, so we have two new locations that opened this winter, both that have outdoor seating, and mm-hmm. we have yet to get a chance to use them. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, I'm just wondering if those will be, you know, more popular to sit at, um, or, you know, the restrictions might be the same, but at least people can be outside. In... Maybe it'll feel a little bit safer. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Well, is there anything else you'd like to add or share with our audience? This has been really informative for me since I've never been in one of your locations and now I really want to go, but. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I don't know. I mean, I think, I think the only thing I would add is just, is, is we are, you know, in, in this crazy period of uncertainty, I think the one certainty is that the the restaurant business as we know it is going to be forever changed. Mm -hmm. Um, Certainly the world as we know it is, is going to be forever changed, but I think, the restaurant business is going to look very different in the next four or five months than it it did previously, and I think we haven't even really seen that yet. You know, we're 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 at this place where um, 
maybe the pandemic if we're sort of on the other side of the curve just barely and if we do everything right we can continue to go down that curve which hopefully we do mm-hmm. uh, but i think it's you know august september i think are going to be very interesting months to watch in, because i think that they'll give us a better taste of what the what the restaurant industry is going to look like over the long term mm-hmm. because the, the big question mark we have right now is how busy are our restaurants going to be when we reopen and you know in june and july when people start to return to work more regularly mm-hmm. um and that's where you know i wish i had a crystal ball we don't know i think every restaurant is sort of in that same boat so just sort of food for thought for the industry right well thank you so much field this has really been fun and i appreciate your time thank you thank, thank you for having me i appreciate it it's been good talking to you yeah and good luck thanks so much field please join us next time for another episode of menu feed Thank you.